So we are working through the book of 1 John. We're studying our way through it. Again, if you follow us on Instagram or Facebook, we posted the um, scripture like a few days ago. So you got a chance to look at it and, and uh, see it early. But I'll put it up here and I'll read it for you. And then I'll have you get in uh, groups around you and just share one thing that sticks out to you about this verse, all right? Before we jump in. All right. You want to get to that first slide real quick? All right, there you go. So this is what it says, and you guys can follow along. It says, As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those that are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from, from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it is taught you, remain in him. So what we're going to do as we go through this passage that you guys have read and discussed a little bit is we're going to break it down. And I just have three points for you. Um, if you like to take notes, there are journals in the back that you're welcome to grab at any time. You can get up and walk around and grab a journal and take notes. Um, but the first thing that stuck out to me is in this passage that's only 24, 25, 26, and 27, four verses, there's a word that shows up four times and it kind of sticks out. Does everybody know what that word is? Remain. Yeah, remain. There's other translations, the word abide, like sticks out. And whenever a word is used over and over again, it's good to like maybe look up that word. And if you aren't used to looking up, I use this tool online called blueletterbible.com, and it's super easy to look up the original Greek and see what the word means, and it has it very easy to do. But the word abide or remain, it, like, it, has, it means like to find like residence, to live there, you know, to just basically to live in. And so the other like way to read it as is, as for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning lives in you. And if it does, you will also live in the Son and in the Father. And so meaning like what you've heard from the beginning, make sure it's just living in you. It's, it's actually has its home within you. It's a part of you. It's not just there for a moment and gone, but the word that you have for the beginning actually lives inside of you, okay? And that's important. And all the other, all the other points, but it means dwell, abide, to, to live, to stay. So um, we're going to look at the first two verses first. It says this, as, in verse 24 through 25, as for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. Okay? When he says, that what was taught from the beginning, he's saying, make sure what you heard from the beginning, what was taught from the beginning. And so it's important to ask, like, what is he referring to? Is he referring to one teaching? Is he referring to one point? Like, what does he mean? He says, for that what you have heard from the beginning. But it's referring to Jesus' teaching, okay? It's referring to, like, the apostles' teaching about Jesus, um, the law of Christ, the pure gospel, um, the gospel of Jesus Christ. What you heard from us, let it remain in you. Like, the, what you heard from us first. And so that's what it talks about when it talks about 
what you've heard from the beginning. Um, and as we said a few weeks ago when we started the series, the essence of what it means, what, quote, taught from the beginning means is this, is like the apostles teaching the gospels. Um, in all of these things, the apostles teaching the gospels, it was preserved for us, and it was uh, put in, the can- in what's called the canon of Scripture. So in the Bible, all of what you have heard from the beginning is put so you- we would not forget. Amen? And so when we think about what was heard from the beginning, it's simply talking about the Word of God that we have preserved, the Gospels, the teachings of Jesus, the teachings of the apostles, the letters of the apostles. Like all of the what you have heard from the beginning were actually preserved for us in what we now know as the Bible or the Word of God. And so that is good. That's why we believe the Word of God is good. That's why we teach from it. The Word of God is our source of life. It's our source of truth. If anybody comes in for marriage counseling, I don't necessarily just read from a marriage counseling book that was written by the University of Michigan. I read from the Bible and look at the truths in the Bible and help them apply it to their marriage. Does that make sense? I'm not saying there's not other good points or truths out there, but the foundation has to be the Word of God because it is truly what was taught from the beginning. And so, yes, amen. And then the first point I have is point one is let God's Word live in you. Let God's Word live in you. And so the question I have is would you say that the Word of God has, is living in your life? Would you say that your life is saturated with the Word of God? Do, do you find ways to consume the Word of God, whether it be through reading the Bible, whether it's listening to the Bible, whether it's doing devotions, and, and how do you saturate your life with the Bible, and how could you say your Bible is your number one source of food, spiritually speaking? Fill, filling your heart and mind with God's Word let it be a daily discipline to read it, to read part of it, to listen to it if you're not a big reader, to listen to podcasts about it, worship songs that sing about the Word of God. All of these are ways to let the Word of God dwell in you, and it's incredibly, incredibly important. So when it says, the benefit or the side effect of letting the Word of God dwell within you is that you will have communion with the Son and with the Father, as it says. Could you guys go back actually one verse for me, please? It says, And if it remains in you, the second part of verse 24, you will also remain or have residence with the Son and the Father. So it's like if you continually keep the Word of God in your life, whether you read it, listen to it, sing it, memorize it, whatever you do to consume the pure Word of God, which we know as the Bible, you will have fellowship with God and Jesus. Amen? Super important point and really good. And the whole point is that you won't be led astray. You won't fall away. And in order to get the full context, I want to look back. Like, if you remember a couple weeks ago before Reapers were here last Sunday, Brian preached on the Antichrist, like in different Antichrists. Brian preached on that. But in 1 John 2, 19, a couple verses before these verses, John talks about this. He says, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. And he was talking about people in the church. He's saying, there is people who went out from us, in a sense, these people left the church, but they were never really part of the church. They left the church, but they were never really part of the church. So they left us, 
They went out from us, but they were never really belonged to us. So this is the group that were led astray. They, went, they were apart, but then they went out. And so some of the people of the body of Christ went out, and John is saying they left us, but they weren't really part of us. And that's why he says, the pure truth of the gospel that you have heard from the beginning, let it remain in you, saturate yourself with it, so you won't be led astray. So continue to have that, so you won't be one of those people that are led astray by other things. So he, John goes on to say that why you need to ha- let the word of God reside in you, because he just said people were led astray. And then the next verse of today's passage, it says this in 1 John 1, 26. He's saying, I am writing these things to you concerning or about those that are trying to lead you astray. Those that are trying to lead you astray. And I would say this in the church. You may not think that people are trying to lead you astray, but there are forces at work that are always, always trying to lead you astray. Number one, our enemy, the devil, is always out there going after you. He's going after you. He's trying to pull you away. He's trying to separate you from the body of Christ. He's trying to help you miss missional community or not go to church. He's trying to lead you astray to believe other things. He's out there. And with him, as we talked about before, the world is at work against us. The flesh is at work against us. So we have all these forces against us. And you guys would all probably agree with that, right? That's why it's so important that we saturate ourselves with what we've heard from the beginning, which is the Bible. Um, He's saying people are trying to deceive you. He starts by saying, let the gospel you heard from the beginning remain in you so that others don't lead you astray. And so if you depart from what you've heard from the beginning, that means that you are learning what I like to call a new teaching. Okay? And so in a sense, this is a warning to the church about new teachings. All right? You like how I do these air quotes right here? I'm not being like condescending or sarcastic, but I think it's so important that we differentiate what we know is the Bible and from like new teachings. I think that's really important. And so the second point is this. Let God's word find its home in you, which I said, because the enemy is trying to lead you astray with new teachings. That's kind of the gist of what this first half is. Um, And even though he's talking to them back at that time, which is like 40 AD, you know, give or take a few years, it's true with us today that the enemy is always trying to lead us astray with new teachings. So here's the thing. If somebody comes to you with a new teaching and the Word of God is living inside of you, I feel like you are going to have a good start to be able to determine what is a truth and what is a lie. Does that make sense? If the Word of God is in you and you are letting it live in you, you should be able to discern what are the truths and what are the lies, what is real and what is counterfeit, because the real is already inside of you. So when you hear a new teaching, you should say, whoa, I don't think this is right, right? I don't think this is right. So what kind of new teachings do we see today? You know, what are people being led astray with today? And this is a good question for us to think about when we read this passage. So for us, like, what are some things? And, um, You know, I'll say this, it's hard when people, 
you see something that seems accurate, and it comes from somebody who maybe has more degrees, or maybe they have a degree and you don't. Maybe they have a seminary or Bible college degree and you don't. And we start to feel inferior, like, wow, I'm not as educated as they are. Maybe there's something to this new teaching and we could be led astray. I heard a friend of mine say um, he thinks most of the false teaching is coming out of the Bible colleges and seminaries these days. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, I you know, you think about it, and it's like we value, and I'm not saying there's nothing against studying theology from good, reputable universities and stuff like that for pastors and stuff, but we elevate pastors, and I have a Bible degree, so I do have a Bible degree from a Christian college, but um, we elevate pastors who have a Bible degree and think that maybe they know something that we don't, or maybe that they have a new teaching that we don't, and what this verse is saying is you really have all that you need. Do not feel insecure because you do not have a degree. And that's the thing is we want everybody in the church to do ministry. We want everybody in the church to be in a missional community. And you have the right to talk about what this verse is saying to you because you have the Bible and you have the Holy Spirit. Nobody, you know, nobody can talk. You know, if you feel insecure and like, I don't know, maybe they're right. He's saying you have everything you need. And so what are the new teachings that are leading people astray? I think this could be very hard to talk about because— um, and particular things that we hear today that I think the church is being led astray with, I could probably name about like 15 to 20 things. So why do I pick on one or the other? And, and why, you know, with the hard teachings, why do churches steer away from hard teachings? I'll tell you one reason. Number one is when we talk about things like the LGBTQ, you know, issues. When we talk about things like abortion, we have seen people in the name of Christ talk about these things, pound their fist in these things in a way that portrays hate and not love. Does that make sense? And so I don't know what pundit you listen to or what person you listen to or that you've seen on the news like the most extremist Christians in the world holding up a sign that says something atrocious. Like, God hates blank. And you're like, wow. And so pastors hear this, and they shy away from teaching on it because maybe they don't want to be associated with hate. And I I mean, God says, right, like he's the God of love, right? And I just had a conversation, you know, I've been ongoing conversations with folks in our community, um, folks that have even left J-Road, because they didn't believe some of the things that we were teaching or they, they didn't want, they believe something different. And we've, we've talked about it. We've gone back and forth. And they always say, you know, this is why somebody that struggles with same-sex attraction is committing suicide. Is because you taught this, this, and this or something. I'm like, I can't control what anybody does, right? But I do know that God would never want us to bully somebody. Does that make sense? Like, bully somebody with the Word of God and, you know, making people feel like God hates them or telling people that God hates them and they're going to hell. That is not our place. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but the world might be saved through him. Amen? And so we got to speak the truth without portraying hate, and it's true. 
Um, but with that said, there's a lot of truth that the church has just shied away from. And with that, the church gets pulled into new teachings because the church doesn't talk about it. You know, we're not involved in it. And so, you know, you know we talked about abortion and obviously, we're, we hear a lot about abortion because this week there's a big election coming up to vote on a proposition that, you know, is either going to restrict abortions or is going to allow more, and it becomes a big political issue, which I hate talking about because I'm not, I hate coming from the political front because Jesus didn't really like campaign or, or try to influence the world through a political standpoint, but he tried to do it through the hearts and minds of the people. Um, so, you know, I don't get into that. Um, per se. But when you get into a debate or somebody brings to the church a new teaching, we have to always go back to the Bible. And what I've always said is, there's many distractions around this topic, that life begins in the womb. Okay? That's what we believe. That's what our denomination believes. That's what I believe. And I believe the Bible teaches that life begins the moment that sperm enters the egg, because the Bible says that I have knitted you together in your mother's womb. That God says he is knitting together a baby inside the mother's womb. So we know it's life, right? We know it's life. What you do with that information is your choice. Um, other things about that are, can be a distraction, but we know that is life. We see in the Christmas story, Jesus was in Mary's womb, and John the Baptist was in Elizabeth's womb. And when Mary and Elizabeth got together, John the Baptist jumped inside of her belly. And Elizabeth said, oh, my son knows that Jesus is in the room. He's jumping inside of my womb. And I would say, anybody tries to teach you a new teaching, just ask them. Like, don't, don't just say, don't bash them over the head with this is how you should vote or this. Ask them is where do you find anywhere in the Bible that that isn't life? And just start there. Well, what about rape? What about incest? I mean, that's a distraction. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying, is it life? And if we could start there, that's a good place. And I'm all for people having rights. I don't think the government should tell anybody what to do with their body. But once the church should answer the question, is it life? And I believe the Bible teaches yes. Um, and so, but I talk to a lot of believers, a lot of Christians that I think have been led astray by different teachings, new teachings. And it's like, man, as long as I'm a pastor, I need to be teaching what the Word of God says. And I think you guys too do too. It's the same way with, uh, you know, people who struggle with same-sex attraction. You know, I honestly, I've told this before, I have a heart for people that struggle with same-sex attraction. Um, my, one of my best friends, um, one of my best friends has had that struggle, and, and it's, I'm still, like, I love him. We're great friends. Um, I would never say that if somebody is struggling with same-sex attraction or they just say they're gay or maybe they're in the world and, and they're gay or transgender that they cannot come here and that we would not love them and I would not welcome them into my missional community to sit around the table with me. Um, I would never say that. And I would never say that we as the church should bully people 
that are in that mix or in that struggle. I would, I would never say that. So when people say the church just hates, I would say there's no hate. Um, but for churches in Muskegon or in America or anywhere in the world to stand up and say that that is good and that the church should affirm it and build it up, that isn't right either. And that's a misuse of God's word. And I wouldn't say, this is the way it is, just take my word for it. It's like, look in the Bible and show me any place in the Bible where that says that is good and right. Like, show me. Now, Jesus did not come to condemn. We are not called to judge and tell who's going to heaven or who's going to hell. My role with people that would identify as LGBTQ plus is I am responsible for introducing you to the love of Jesus Christ and let the Holy Spirit do that redeeming work in your heart. But I cannot sit up here and say that the Bible says that is good. And the Bible wants you to live that lifestyle because it simply doesn't. And if you disagree with me, I would love to sit down this week and just talk about it. And you could show me where you feel like the Bible shows that that is right. Um, but again, my role is Jesus did not, is to tell you about Jesus. My, my role, my mission is never to make gay people straight. It's to make lost people found. It's to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ because Jesus loves all people and he wants them found. Um, so I feel like those are a few things that seep into the church. And there's a few churches in our, in our communities that would say, this is good, this is good, this is good when really God says it's not. And it's a sin to say anything is good that God says is not. Um, and so we have to go back to what we've heard from the beginning. And in these discussions, in these discussions with these people who disagree with me on these things, I am trying to talk and, and with love show where I, how I believe this, where I see it in God's word, which is the so only source of truth we have. They, the quote that I wrote down, and I don't mean to like, bad-mouthed person. That's why I'm not saying who it is. It says, basically they were saying, I want to have this discussion without the Bible. You're always bringing the Bible into it. You're always bringing the Bible into it. And they say, I believe we can know of God without the Bible. And that is so not true. <laughs> the Bible is our only source of knowing God. And so if you want to have a theological discussion without the Bible, what are we going to use? Our opinions? Like, what we heard on, like, the news, what we heard in the radio, like, I don't know. We need a central form of truth, and that's what this is talking about, is what we've heard from the beginning. Um, it's like me, like, arguing with a football referee in a football game and saying, listen, I know you're talking about the rules. I don't want to talk about the rule book. I want to talk about, he's like, well, then what are we using as a background, as a reference? Like, my own opinions. And so, I just said, I can't talk. If you want to have this discussion without the Bible, then I, I, have, I can't do it. Because I believe the Bible is true. I believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. It's what we've heard from the beginning and it is all that we have to learn truth. And it is good and it is right. Stepping outside of the Bible to find truth is a fool's errand because there is no authority and there is no compass. We all get to decide what is true for ourselves and if we decide 
whoever is the loudest and most convincing voice wins. And I don't want to be a part of a church that just goes by whoever is the loudest and the most convincing, that's the person we're going to believe. Right? That's, if you don't have the Bible, that's all it goes by is who is the loudest and who is the most convincing. And that's why Jesus said that you do not stray away from what you've heard from the beginning. If it is not in the Bible, if it's a new teaching, we must have our guard up and always go back to that book that was given to us as a gift from God. Amen? Okay. I find rest in the fact that I don't have to be the loudest or the most convincing preacher because if I stick to preaching the pure word of God, it will have power beyond what I can comprehend. Does that make sense? And you guys don't have to figure out, I think apologetics is good, but you guys don't have to memorize every argument and be the smartest person in the world because the word of God is active and living. The Bible says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And all we need to know is we need to get in that book and know it and understand it and read it daily, saturate ourselves with it. So, to transition to our last verse, but on top of God's word, um, John is saying, on top of God's word or what you've heard from the beginning, Jesus promises us to give us a guide that lives within us, and it's the Holy Spirit. So in 1 John 2, 27, it says, As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. And that is a reference to you do not need anyone new to teach you, like in its original language. Like, because he already said concerning those who are leading you astray. Like, you don't need these people to teach you. You already have the anointing from inside, okay? So, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as the, that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it is taught you, remain in him. So the question to ask when you read, read this is, what is the anointing? Um, the anointing is the Holy Spirit. We talked about this when Brian preached on it a few weeks ago. It says the anointing you receive from him remains in you. So it's like when we get saved, when we come to Jesus for salvation, we receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives within us. And that's the third point is this. The Holy Spirit will guide you to discern all truth. The Holy Spirit will guide you to discern all truth. Jesus says this in John 16, 13. In John 16, 13, he says, But when he capital H, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And so Jesus was promising his disciples that when the Holy Spirit comes to you, he will give you understanding of all truth, he will guide you in all truth, and he will help you. So we have this gift of the Holy Spirit. And John is saying, you do not need teachers And he's only saying that, it's like, you don't need these false teachers. You don't need people teaching you new things because you have all things. You have the Bible, you have the Holy Spirit. And this passage is saying, if you let the word of God remain in you and the Holy Spirit teach you, you will not be led astray. And you will not be one of those people who describes as going out from the church that was never really a part of the church. So the one thing I always ask is this, if what you are hearing and not just what we talked about, but there's so many other things that lead the church astray. If what you are hearing does not bear witness in your Holy Spirit, to the Holy Spirit in you, like you should go to the Word of God. Open it. See what it says. Look at it. 
And if it's not bearing witness to the Holy Spirit and it's not rooted in Scripture, you can refute it and stand against it. This is what I always go back to, and it dry, it's, it's kind of funny, kind of not. But if somebody has a new teaching, I always like to say, is this something that every theologian for the last 2,000 years somehow missed, but you watched a YouTube video and somehow now you're an expert on this field and it's somehow totally different than the Bible? Like, I always think about that. Like, the church got this wrong for 2,000 years and every theologian got it wrong for 2,000 years, but somehow this person comes with a new teaching that's totally different than what we have from the beginning. You know, it's, if, if somebody has that, it's probably not true. There's so many applications to the Bible. I understand that. There's different ways to apply in it in different times. Obviously, when the Bible was written, there wasn't Google. There wasn't the internet. But there are so many ways to apply what was, we heard from the beginning to everyday life. I don't know, maybe in like 20 years, there's going to be robots walking amongst us and we'll have to apply God's word to that. But the word doesn't change. The word is true. The word is, is, is good and we can apply it. So here's my encouragement, my last three things to you guys. If you're taking notes, write these things down. Read God's word and store it in your heart. Okay? Read God's word daily, if possible, and store it in your heart. If you don't know where to start and you're like, I just struggle, start in the book of John, in the gospel of John, and read a chapter a day. Or listen to a chapter a day because you could listen to it through the Bible app, which is free. So listen or read God's word and store it in your heart. Be cautious of new teachings, number two. If anybody says they have this new teaching and it blows your mind because it's so different than the Bible, it's probably not true. And trust the Holy Spirit who, who lives in you. He is God. He was sent by God to help us understand. And my last is don't let anyone look down on you because you don't have a degree. Please. I, I am the first person or the first man in my family to get a college degree. And my grandpa, my dad, my grandpa's grandpa, we're not come from a big line of college goers on both sides, my mother's and father's side. Um, and we were the first to go to college of pretty much anybody in my family for generations before us. And it's good, kind of need it for my job, but it's not, do not let anybody look down on you because you do not have a degree. And that's what this is talking about. Because in the big deep dive study, the false teachers that were going around teaching these new teachings, they were just claiming mental superiority over everybody else and everybody else had to just bow the knee to it because I'm not as smart as you. And he's saying, you have the word of God. You have the word of God from the beginning. And not only that, you have the anointing from God, which is the Holy Spirit. You don't need anything else. You have all you need to discern God's word and you live your life by it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, you are so good. And God, you love us and want us to know the truth. So God, if we encounter these new things, God, help us refute it. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the canon of Scripture that we have that we could use, God, and memorize. And we have it at our discretion. Help us cherish it and read it. We just thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.